This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. And now let's get a sense of what's happening in other parts of the continent. And in this instance, it is... Uh, Cameroon, right next door to Nigeria and West Africa there. A country that's really produced some true luminaries. I mean, if I'm thinking in the sciences, the gentleman who is heading up the African CDC is a Cameroonian. Uh, Manu Dibango is a Cameroonian. Achaleke is a Cameroonian. Some really, really great people coming out of Cameroon. But that doesn't seem to count for much in the midst of current tensions. It is called the Anglophone crisis in Cameroon and in itself it's quite baffling that we would still refer to Anglophone or Francophone divisions, colonial divisions within independent nation states. But uh, nonetheless it's very very true. Cameroon, uh, my understanding, was colonized for a time by the French and for a time by uh, the English. or It could have been the Belgians as well. We'll get some clarity on that in a moment. But nonetheless, it's really split the country down the middle in terms of linguistic and cultural differences. Imported, but true. And there's an English side of the country and there's a French-speaking side of the country. The French-speaking side of the country is the larger part of the nation. It has... Um, numerically more people, it's 80% of Cameroon, but there is a 20% of the nation that uh, speaks English, and of course there are people who are bilingual in Cameroon. But the English uh, part of Cameroon um, has been calling for secession and the creation of an independent country to be called Abazonia. And over the last few years, there have been flashpoints um, on the borderlines and in the English-speaking part of the country. Um, and it has led to 500,000 people being displaced. Um, hundreds of people have died. And many dissidents have been rounded up, uh, including business people, have been rounded up. I remember Rebecca Enon Chong, uh, who's an IT entrepreneur, uh, being put in jail cell for the weekend simply for, for speaking out about this, about also a, a shutdown of the Internet uh, as the government clamps down. And all of this, this ruckus happening in Cameroon, whilst the country's president, who's said to be the longest serving African leader, who's been in power for more than 40 years, Paul Beer, spends most of his time not even being in Cameroon. Apparently, he lives in France and runs the country remotely. So it's all very strange, things happening in Cameroon. But now it's not just strange or bizarre. It's gotten very serious because with the clampdown, with the militarization, there is a sense that um, the situation could spark a civil war. Lloyd Kouvea is Assistant Director at the University of Pretoria Center for Human Rights. Um, and he joins us now to just provide some light about what is happening uh, in Cameroon. Uh, hello, uh, Lloyd Kouvea. Well, hello, Lerato. How are you doing? Fine, thank you, sir. Um, are we exaggerating when we say if if the situation is not tamed, uh, this could be more than a flashpoint? It could even spark a civil war. Is that alarmist? It's not. Uh, it's not alarmist, uh, Lerato. 
um, I think you are quite on point, and I think um, the whoever is responsible, especially at the African Union level, must really be uh, looking at uh, what is happening in Cameroon, and uh, you know at least the Peace and Security Council of the African Union mm. must really come up with a strategic plan to defuse uh, this possibility. I mean, I think it has been an ongoing sort of civil strife uh, since 2016. Um, and uh, as the situation drags on and on with the continued suppression, you talked about uh, Paul Bia uh, being, um, you know, uh, the president for over 40 years mm. uh, with his autocratic tendencies um, and exclusionary politics. You, I think we are going to really uh, witness um, further insurrection and continued conflict um, in Cameroon, unfortunately, and you are quite on point. So we really need to be concerned about the situation in Cameroon, and we cannot be silent about it. Okay, so just historically, um, this is what I understand. So for a time, Cameroon was a German colony, actually, so I stand to be corrected. And then it became a French protectorate and a British protectorate, and then under a UN General Assembly resolution on UN trusteeship, um, French Cameroon came into being on the 1st of January, and then also uh, English Cameroon came to be, and then a united country was formed from these two composite parts. But even though one country was formed, a lot of these legacy issues remained, and colonial legacy issues remained. Why is that? Um, You know, Unfortunately, <laughs> colonial legacies are going to be um, with us for a long time mm. um, because of a number of reasons. Um, firstly, uh, we, you need to look at uh, the, the issues of secession in Africa, where the African Union itself has come up with a policy that uh, we will not interfere with colonial boundaries for the sake of uh, stability on the continent. So you'll find that it's not just in Cameroon. When you look at uh, in Zambia, with the Barotsa, Barotsa people as well, uh, you know, a similar situation, a legacy of colonialism. Yeah. The Barotsa people are also clamoring for a similar thing, secession and separatism. Um, and um, so the same thing as in, um, you know, uh, Cameroon, as you have said, with the British, you know, really um, running... Uh, the northern and southern Cameroon as a British protectorate uh, through indirect rule. Mm. And then the French, after the First World War, get, then get the bigger portion, the other portion of, um, uh, of, of Cameroon, and therefore being the dominant uh, 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 group, the, uh, the French-speaking, uh, so about maybe 80% uh, of the population being uh, you know, French-speaking. And the pro- President Paul Beer being at the head of this uh, unitary state that was created in 1972, mm. replacing the federal state with a unitary state. But now the problem is, whenever you have an autocratic leader who is uh, going to come up with politics of exclusion rather yeah. than inclusion, you are then always going to have uh, such problems. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, people of northern and, and southern Cameroon really felt that... Uh, they were being marginalized, they were being excluded, um, and uh, began to revert to the situation prior 1972, 
Mm. Um, some were calling, some are calling for a federal you know, state. Some are saying, no, look, we actually want a separate state, uh, which is unlikely to get support from the African Union because of that policy of non-interference with colonial borders. And I think that has sort of uh, kind of entrenched the, 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 the conflict, if, if, if I may mm. say so. Yeah. So I think really the African Union uh, should not just wait for countries like Switzerland, you know, Germany, yeah. um, UK and France to resolve this problem. The African Union should actually take leadership and see how they can resolve yeah. this crisis by either asking Cameroon to actually, you know, set up a federal state where some of the states are kind of autonomous but also reporting to a central government. Right. Uh, that that would, for me, perhaps may be a more workable okay. situation perhaps, and might actually lead to the resolution of right. the crisis. You refer to the politics of exclusion perpetuated by the long-term leader Paul Beer, who incidentally has been president of Cameroon since 1982. That's about as old as some of us are. You know, for 41 whole years, he's been yeah. in power, you know. Um, how has he ruled, first you say with an iron fist, and secondly with the politics of exclusion? Could you qualify what you mean by that? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you see, the, the, the problem is that uh, when people now get appointed, let's say, for instance, in positions of authority, in, whether in government uh, or having some kind of influence uh, within society, uh, people feel that they are not uh, actually part of uh, you know, uh, power. So, because, I mean, everybody wants to have kind of influence and power as well and, 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 and control. And they say in the manner in which they run the affairs of their particular region. So I think for me, that, that's what has led to, um, to, to uh, Paul Beer being uh, autocratic and he has targeted uh, a lot of the leaders of, um, you know, what they are now calling the Amazonian movement for, for, for independence. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, actually there were about 10, in 2018, 2019, um, 10 of the leaders were, f- f- I mean, from our perspective, they were literally abducted from Nigeria. Because as you know, a lot of the uh, over, you know, 700,000 uh, you know, people who have been displaced, some of them are now refugees in Nigeria. Mm. Um, and so they were, these leaders were abducted from Nigeria, brought before a military court uh, and tried in a military uh, court. Um, and, and, and they were sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, so they are actually serving life imprisonment as we speak. Okay. And it's a case, I think, for us as a Center for Human Rights, we actually want to take this case to the African Commission on Human and People's Rights to ventilate some of these issues. And I believe that once we do that, those issues at least will be ventilated mm-hmm. before an African Union body that will look into the human rights issues uh, that has affected mm-hmm. uh, people of... Uh, you know, Anglo, the Anglophone uh, region of Cameroon, mm. where children are no longer going to school. Like you said, over 500,000 have been displaced um, and uh, thousands have been killed. And uh, the leaders of, uh, you know, the secessionist movement uh, have also been, mm. been jailed, which is always, uh, you know, a strategy that is employed by autocratic mm. uh, leaders. Okay. But as you, I mean, obviously, they are now sort of, when you speak about these issues, uh, at human, before human rights bodies, the government will always react and say that there are elements of criminality within, mm. uh, you know, the mm. uh, separatist movement. Okay. You know, because also obviously the, the, the atrocities from both sides now, from the yeah. army itself, and then of course the leadership right. of, the, of the movement.
All right. I want to understand um, what the the separatist movement is about. You've explained to us that there's a unitary state, but there there is a section of the population that doesn't feel seen, uh, heard, as the opportunities are for them, represented. Um, and, and so the politics of the country have a lot of fissures uh, and complexity. But they are not just separatists, those calling for a new nation, Abazonia. They are armed separatists. So it's not just, you know, a clamoring for political independence or autonomy. It is a physical struggle that they're waging. And so in, in any other country, that would be called sedition, terrorism um, and the like. Wow, you know, you, you're bringing up a very contentious and very difficult issue, Lerato, uh, where you have, uh, you are looking at the self-determination of people. Mm. The only problem here is that um, um, you have a self-determination movement by a group that is now armed against um, the central government, mm. you see now. And, and like, like I said, they are not being supported by the AU because um, this is not a colonial government suppressing, you know, uh, sort of African people. But this is a, a government which is made up of two distinct languages. And the dominant uh, linguistic formation uh, is sort of excluding the minority mm. language. Mm. And these are things that you see in, a, in, in many countries. I mean, if you look at Zimbabwe uh, across the borders, the same thing with the Indebele-speaking people, uh, some of whom are also clamoring for a separate state as it were, and so on and mm. so forth. Um, and, uh, you know, as you so, as we know in history, the Gukura Wundi massacre, and that was then uh, perpetrated by the, the then Mugabe regime yeah. to crush any form of dissent in that part of the world. So I think the same thing uh, is happening here. Uh, the issue now is, okay, um, the separatist movement, can they be tried for, for these crimes, the so-called crimes, um, and uh, do you then leave out the central government, which has also perpetrated crimes, you know, uh, against uh, the secessionists? So for me, really, um, I don't think that um, a court process whereby maybe you, you, you look at uh, the International Criminal Court and so on and so forth mm -hmm. would resolve this issue. I think that what is required here is a diplomatic process. And this is why, for me, I've, 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 I've been saying that we need the African Union to deploy its diplomatic prowess into the Cameroon region uh, and also to uh, deploy uh, peacekeeping forces to ensure that uh, there is peace, at, at the very least, mm. in that region, whilst uh, you know, um, there is negotiation for a peaceful resolution right. of the conflict. Okay, so for their part, the government of uh, Paul Beer could argue that they've tried. They called for a national dialogue in 2019, and they've yeah. looked at a few mechanisms through which to bring all sides together um, yeah. because they would rather a united Cameroon than a fragmented Cameroon. Yeah. Um, so why are those efforts not working? I think also it has to do with, um, you know, uh, when you then suppress the leadership. Because I think what the, the strategy utilized by, by Paul Beer was to say, let's target this, the leadership, mm -hmm. you know. Let's target the leadership and put them in jail. 
So once you then do that, who then do you negotiate with? Do you get the point? Mm. So you have, you have jailed the leadership of, of, this, of this movement, and now the, the sporadic attacks will continue. There's no longer any leadership. So I think for me, that's what, that was part of the reason why the talks in, 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 uh, uh, in 2019 uh, sort of collapsed uh, mm. because of, uh, you know, uh, when the Swiss tried to sort of uh, deal with this issue. Yeah. Um, because of, of, of the of, of, of uh, you know the leadership, the I mean the jailing of, of, of the leadership, yeah. and I think uh, we, again when the international community in around 2020 continued to put pressure uh, on Paul Beer, the negotiations never really um, went out uh, because of uh, this suppression and, and jailing of the okay. leadership. So I think he needs to release the leadership uh, and say, look. Uh, you know, the, we need to negotiate. We need to come up yeah. to come to the negotiating table, and the, the AU must preside. I mean, look, they, they, we cannot continue to have again former colonial powers. I mean, of course, Switzerland is a neutral power yeah. that was trying to broker the peace agreement, uh, but really, the AU must take leadership. That right. that would be my, my message. Yes. Okay. So 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 what you're saying, if I if I was to draw parallels with the South African context, and it's very, very different. But this is sort of calling for a national dialogue, but yes. but the leaders of the revolution are still in prison. They are still wearing their prison clothes, and yes. yet they need to negotiate as equal partners Precisely. in a process. It can't work. Precisely. It won't work. It will never work, Lerato. And, and really, uh, President Pobia must do the right thing, release these people, and then maybe I don't know where they go to, mm. you know, whether it's in Addis in Ethiopia, mm. AU head, headquarters, Peace Security Council, and really have a serious right. dialogue to resolve the crisis. Why is the AU reluctant to step in? And I'm not even just going to say the AU, ECOWAS, because AU would, would probably first defer to the peace and security mechanism of the West African region, which uh, interestingly has worked quite well in the past with an ECOWAS. But clearly now there seem to be issues around capacity there. Um, and the AU is not known to be quick to step in to yes. resolve issues in Africa and in, in, in member states anyway. So what about the roles of regional bodies like ECOWAS and then going to the AU? You are quite right, Lerato. Actually, you know, sometimes the, the, what the AU says is that they always take a cue from the sub-regional economic communities. Yeah. So in this particular case, the ECOWAS really ought to take leadership. And again, it's an issue of leadership. Nigeria really should be taking leadership. But I think Nigeria now uh, is sort of compromised in the sense that they've got Boko, Boko Haram crisis, right. where, um, again, you find that um, because of the Boko Haram crisis, there are some refugees that have also spilled into that Anglophone region. Mm. You know, Yes. So, so now it's bec- it becomes so complicated that Nigeria is now sort of, an, in a way, unable to, uh, uh, p- you know, uh, objectively, uh, intervene and take leadership ah. uh, in this crisis. So Nigeria usually is the one yeah. that sort of, uh, uh, you know, takes leadership and drives everyone within the ECOWAS right. uh, region to take a position. But I think in this case, sort of, its hands are sort of strong in that regard. Yeah, and I think they're the current chairs of ECOWAS. But as you're saying, um, yeah. it's very tricky at the moment because they're managing their own internal security issues and that's spilled over into Cameroon, ironically. So how do they Sorry. go and broker a peace? In Cameroon. And one asked the question, how were the leaders were, and most of these leaders, some of them were academic, in the academic sector, how were they taken from Nigeria? 
and then taken before a military tribunal. Nigeria ought to have said, no, look, you cannot take these people who are refugees uh, in, in, in Nigeria. Mm. But I mean, of course, Cameroon is always arguing that there was an extradition agreement to, bring, to take them from Nigeria and, and bring them before a military tribunal. But why try them before a military tribunal? Why not take them before independent, competent civilian courts so that they, these people are afforded a fair trial? Okay. Let's go back to internally. Um, above and beyond this secession for Ambazonia and the Anglophone, uh, Francophone crisis. You've got many things happening in Cameroon. I think what some would refer to as a polycrisis. There's been an economic crisis. Um, There's been issues around the succession of uh, Paul Beer, who was declared a president for life. He's been in power for 41 years. And I think there was even an attempt to pass on the baton to his young son. Um, and there's a separatist movement. So on three fronts, things are not well in Cameroon. And you wonder to what extent there is an appetite by the sitting president and his cabinet to really resolve this issue because this is one of a series of things they're having to face, including an existential crisis. Yeah, you know, the, the, that, that's why for me the crisis in, uh, in Cameroon is, is, is quite complicated and one also needs to look at, uh, you know, the role of uh, France, you know, especially with uh, uh, what is called Francophone Africa, mm. uh, whereby, you know, France continues to have a hold uh, on, 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 on its former colonies. Um, and, and as you were saying, Cameroon is, I mean, Paul Bia is hardly in Cameroon anyway. He's made, he spends most of his time in either Switzerland or France. You know, um, and, uh, you know, because of that, you, one can then say he doesn't really have the interests of his people uh, at heart. It's all about uh, continuing in power and corruption. And then, you know, because France is happy to have that kind of status quo, whereby it's got the loyalty of some of these uh, autocratic and corrupt leaders in Francophone Africa. They would rather maintain the status quo. So, you know, that will continue. And if, if you don't, do not have a proper uh, democratic distribution of the economic goods uh, in a country and, and where there's conflict, you are not going to have a, a, a proper development, you know. So uh, for me, really, um, it would be foolhardy for anyone to think that there's going to be proper economic development in Cameroon, which is supposed to be really a leader in the Central African region uh, of the continent. But as you know, I think it's also surrounded by a number of crises within uh, the Central Africa itself. Like you look at Central Africa, Republic, DRC, um, uh, Chad, all sorts of crises in in these countries in Central Africa. And um, I mean, Central, I mean, Paul Bia, who is the leader of probably, uh, perhaps one would think, could have been the, the more stable economy, uh, is unable uh, to really have a stable economy um, whereby he takes then leadership within that particular region. So it complicates you know, the whole process. And then because of that, he then wants to hand over power uh, you know, to, to his son. And you know, this grooming, you've seen it, we've seen it in, in, um, in, in Uganda. We've seen it recently in Cambodia. Uh, whereby these autocrats who have ruled these countries for, for so many years will want to hide 
all the crimes that they've perpetrated over the years. And therefore, to do that, they would want to hand over to a trusted successor, either a son or a trusted close friend or a general. So I think this is the, that's why the, the, the situation of Cameroon is going to be very complicated and it might go on for some time unless we get intervention from the African Union and ECOWAS, as you correctly pointed out. All right. And there's one final question coming through from Ndate Paswa or a comment in Mamelodi. Yeah, my comment is that why should Africans have a problem? Canada did have the same kind of language issue. It's worse in Africa when it comes to this tribalism and regionalism. Why is that? Because they can't sort their own issues. Mm. Okay. Uh, yes, so I think for me, let me respond by saying, I think once you have respect for human rights, you know, once you have a respect for human rights, you will always ensure that people who are in the minority, you know, people who are marginalized, their rights are also respected. You know? And I think when you look at Canada, uh, which is one of the countries that really respect human rights and the rule of law, uh, they are able to do that because of their respect for human rights. When you look at uh, Africa, yeah. you have a lot of marginalized groups that are suffering and will continue to suffer because of this level of respect for human rights, particularly of minority groups. Mm. You've, you've got indigenous people, communities, mm. LGBTIQ plus communities. You've got, uh, you know, linguistic minority groups. All these groups are suffering. You know, in some of the countries, you have people in prison. No one really cares about the rights of prisoners and so on and so mm. forth. So you find that the minority groups will always continue to suffer. You've got the migrants, the refugees who continue to suffer. Uh, because of the lack of respect for the mm. rights of minorities. And I think mm. that's that's one of the reasons. And I think that's a poignant place to leave it. I thank you so much for your time, Lloyd Kuvea. I have to say, Cameroon is one country I've never been to, always been intrigued by. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I know what I know just from what I read. But today, I feel like you really painted a picture uh, for my understanding. And I really appreciate that. No, it, it's a pleasure, Lerato. And let's hope that... Uh, Things will happen in a positive direction and in a positive trajectory um, in Cameroon and we have peace and development. Thank you so much to Lloyd Kuvea, Assistant Director at the Centre for Human Rights located at the University of Pretoria. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.